Hi guys, and welcome back to our podcast, Healing the Broken Marriage. We are your hosts. I'm Alicia. And I'm Brian. And if you are new here, then welcome to our podcast. And if you are one of our faithful listeners, then welcome back. We really want to encourage you guys to go check out our website, makingbeautywiththeashes.com. Lots of fun things there. You can find out how you can connect with us, how you can partner with us. And also, you can find out how you can get my book, Making Beauty with the Ashes, How God Saved My Marriage. And in my book, I actually tell our full marriage testimony. So if you want to know more about our story, then I just suggest you guys go check that out. So heading into today's episode. I've been thinking about some of the reasons that marriage struggle, and we want to talk to you today about common reasons that people feel disconnected in your marriage, but also how to turn your disconnect into a reconnection. (laughs) So, Brian, so I just practically speaking, I wanted to talk to you about what happens practically, because I know you know a lot about building houses and you know some electrical work as well. So when you're installing electricity or electrical wiring, what happens if the connection is off or, you know, something you maybe wired it incorrectly or maybe there's a disconnect somewhere. What what typically happens there? Well, I mean, there's several different things going to happen. For one, your light might not come on. <laughs> it's not wired right. Um, it could even cause damage. Right. If, if you're, which is the same. If you got disconnected in a in a marriage, damage can occur. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually a certain thing called a disconnect service or service disconnect is actually so the breaker box or panel holds all the electric coming into the house and from there it goes out to the house through wiring but there's like certain appliances well for instance like a water heater has to have a what they call service disconnect panel so when somebody's working on it, they don't have to go to the breaker box to turn the electric off. They can just pull this fuse that pulls out, flips over, and it disconnects the power to that. Right. So that being said, it's a perfect example of disconnect mm-hmm. because power is still there on one side coming in. But once you reach that disconnect panel and it's been the fuse has been pulled out, no power goes on past that point. So same with the relationship. Yeah. If there's a disconnect that's been pulled in your relationship or marriage, one side or the other might still have what they need for that marriage or connect connection for that marriage. But the other side is disconnected from that. Mm -hmm. Just like, you know, in that situation with electrical in the house. Right. Wow. So A lot of times because building is so familiar to you, there's so many good analogies in home building or like home repairs that are similar to a marriage or a home, you know? Right. And so I think that when many people are asked, 
you know, what they would want for their marriage, I'm guessing that their reply might be to love and to be loved. And I think that's a pretty logical response. (laughs) Yeah. But thinking more into that, I think that couples would really want more than just that. Like, for instance, yes, you want to be loved and to be loved. You want love and to be loved, but also probably a deep desire to feel understood, respected, safe, needed, heard, appreciated, but I think most of all is to feel connected. And okay, so let's just talk about when you're in a new relationship, the relationship is exciting. There is so much anticipation around the newness, right? It's new. It's exciting. And our brain actually releases a host of happy neurochemicals designed to draw couples together. But for all couples, at some point, the newness wears off. And then that's when reality of stresses and imperfections arise. So would you say at that point, you they figure out the other person has some wires crossed, maybe? <laughs> You know, like in the very beginning, you're like, oh my gosh. You're perfect. Perfect. Even when he chews with his mouth open and food spills out. Oh my gosh, it's so cute. And But the newness, I'm going to tell you about you. Or he gums his food because he don't have any teeth. Oh my gosh. That newness begins to wear off. And it's like all of a sudden those things that maybe were so cute like, wow, if he does that one more time, I'm literally going to hate him upside that. No, just kidding. But seriously, but when you think about this, this is with anything, whether it's a new puppy, a new job, say you're kind of like me and you like to get the new iPhone that comes out every year, the newness and the excitement, it fades. You know, like, okay, so for instance, I have the iPhone 13 Pro Max. So I got this when it came out and I was so excited. I was like, yes, I got the new one. It's so amazing. I love it. There's nothing wrong with it. It's perfect. This is like, of course, I said that about the one before that too. So, but now that I have it, they've come out with the newest one, the iPhone 14. And there's this thing inside of me that's like, oh, I want it. I want it. I want it so bad. <laughs> I want it so bad. So then I start looking at my 13, which is totally fine. And I'm like, wow, it is kind of slow. Wow. You know, these things. Yeah, I don't really like how it does this. Wow, it kind of crashes sometimes. You know, those things that I loved at first, I'm kind of like, this is kind of annoying. Wow, this is like really getting on my nerves kind of like a new puppy. They're so cute. Brian, come on. A new puppy is so cute. Everybody loves puppies, right? Right, right. (laughs) Everybody loves puppies. (laughs) You see them in a litter. You just want that new puppy so bad. You bring it home and it's still got all of this cuteness. But by like day three, or actually let's say like day two, 
when it's away from its mother, it's away from its other, you know, brothers and sisters, you get the whining and the crying. And it's howling in your bathroom. And it's howling. And it's 2 a.m. and you're awake because the cute little puppy is now howling. (laughs) So this is what we're talking about. This inevitably in every single situation (laughs) wears off. It does. I mean, Brian, tell me, am I wrong? I think it does for some people. Yeah. Um. I mean, I mean, I, I know you. You're not. I don't consider you a materialistic person, <laughs> other than the iPhone. <laughs> but for me, I mean, I mean, it's. I don't. I don't go. I don't really go looking for a newer, bigger truck, or you no. know, I'm happy. But what I'm saying is like. But yeah, it does. It I mean, yeah, every off. new wears off. It does. I mean, we've we've. We've talked about that with the kids. Sometimes the kids will see like an old camper or something going down the road and we'll be like, you know, there was a day when that thing was the newest thing on the road and the best yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. And now it's like obsolete. But, uh, yeah. but it just, that's a whole, that's a whole nother story. You know, it's just right. how things, things can be new and then they just, you know, they're replaced by newer things. But, yeah. but that don't mean that they're the, they're the sometimes them are the best ones. Sometimes those are better than new things. Right. So you got to be careful because your iPhone might be better than the, the, new, the new one coming out. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah. So as we're talking about, the newness and the excitement starts to fade. So what happens to that connection and what can be done? Like how can we rebuild connection when there is a disconnect? So we're just going to be talking about probably five or six different points of that can lead to disconnection in your relationships and marriage, but also what you can do to build reconnection, which is the most important thing is when you notice there's a disconnection to be intentional about building a reconnection. And so the first thing that I wanted to talk about was drifting. And so over time, you know, all couples will experience a slow drift. You get used to each other. You're comfortable with each other. And I mean, hey, sometimes maybe even possibly critical of each other. You get busy. You neglect doing the things that created feelings of connection earlier on. I mean, and this is just life. These things happen. You cannot bypass the fact that, you know, when you're newly married versus, you know, 15, 20 years down the road, you get comfortable. You kind of get into a routine, you know, all of those things start to be um, more and more and more. You just get used to each other. So... How can you fix that if you start to notice like, wow, we're just getting really busy. We're not really like at the beginning, we really made each other priority. And we just feel like we're just kind of like, eh, we're just kind of existing. We live in the same house, but we're not really like you can literally be in the same house with each other, be in close proximity 
and still there be a big disconnect in your marriage. So how can you fix that? How can you fix, like, Brian, what would you suggest if, you know, somebody, they've been married for a while, they are noticing, wow, we're just kind of like, you know, the things that we did at first, we're not really doing any longer and we're not really building anything. We're just kind of like, kind of existing. What is something that you think that they could do today to help start building connection and not disconnection? Well, it's fall, so they could go to like um, Starbucks and get a pumpkin latte or something. <laughs> but no, honestly, that's yeah, a good point. Yeah, it could be, gosh, it could be little things. Little things could spark a lot. Um, you know, there's things we did when we were younger, when we first got married that we don't do now because we were, we're kid. You know, we have kids, but we just said, we used to just get up and just go for drives at like in the middle of the night together. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. I think, I think a lot of it's just, you know, making time for your spouse and your family. Like we really, we really, uh, put a lot of emphasis on, you know, time together. Yeah. Even with our kids, mm -hmm. you know, just designating a meal, a sit down meal in the evenings. You know, we always don't. Sometimes we'll go get fast food or order pizza, but, so many times through the week, we cook dinner together sometimes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you cook it while I'm on my way home. But we designate that time together to sit down to a meal. And so it's so important. I, you know, some might not think that, but once you start doing it, you realize how important your your, your kids start opening up during the meal. And you, you'll see a different side to your kids just sitting down, spending time with them even at a meal. But then as far as with your spouse... You know, we, we spend time together at night praying, uh, which is very important. Yeah. Uh, every morning before I leave work, and we mean literally every morning. Every single day. Every single morning. We have a cup of coffee together and talk about an hour before I go, and we have prayer time just covering our day, you know, our children. And that's so, so important. Mm -hmm. But and I think once you get – the thing with this, I think – being close to your partner and being close to guys, two different things, but they're very the similar. Mm -hmm. They're very similar. So if you're close to God and you start pulling away, he's going to not only put it on your heart, what you need to do to get back to him and close to him, but he's going to put on your heart, what you need to do to get close to your spouse again. Yeah. So I think those two like really work in conjunction with each other, like mm -hmm. very closely. Yeah. I know. I think for me, when I was thinking about like, what could someone do if they feel like they're kind of drifting apart is for one, acknowledge it. Be like, you know, hey, maybe have a sit down. Maybe just like when you're sitting in bed, you know, just be like, listen, I just, I kind of feel like we're drifting apart and there's just not the connection that we had, you know, just be kind of open and honest and maybe even talk about like, what could we do to build that back up again? And, you know, be deliberate about it. You know, like we were saying, when we were first married, we didn't have any kids. We would, we would go to sleep, wake up, jump in the truck and go, you know, just driving around. Well, things change when you have kids. You literally can't do that or you should not do that if you have kids at home. But 
you can create new memories for the season that you're in. You may not be in a season where you legally can leave the house, you know, at midnight, but you can do other things. You know, maybe you can go on like a day date together or, you know, cause we do that. We do that quite a bit is go on day dates and we just go have lunch together or whatever. And just be honest and just, you know, because like we've said so many times, your spouse cannot read your mind and they may not feel the disconnect, but just because they don't feel it doesn't mean it's not there. So let's move on to the next topic that I've kind of titled darts and daggers. <laughs> so, oh boy. so these are like points of disconnect that can bring disconnection in your marriage. And when I say darts and daggers, I'm talking about the words that we say, the things that come out of our mouth. Is it darts and daggers? So when you're hurt, you know that expression, I know probably some of you have heard it, is hurt people hurt people. So say you're in the middle of a conflict (laughs) and you feel hurt. And unkind things are expressed. Um, maybe there's some complaints, some criticism, name calling. But I do want to add this in, you guys. Please never call your spouse outside of their name. If their name is not the thing you called them, do not say that. Don't call them something that is not their name. I mean, don't say stuff like you're just like your mom or. No, don't call like them like, you know, if you call them like the B word. I'm not going to Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying. Well, there's don't, a lot of, there's a don't lot of words. Don't say that. Aside from that, there's a lot of words, other words you shouldn't call them. Well, yes. But I'm saying like complaints, criticism, right. name calling. Like, don't tell your spouse they're crazy. Don't call them, you know, expletives. Maybe even don't say, you're just like your mother. I mean, come on, you guys. These things can create distance. I mean, just the list that I made, there's really no connection factors in there. It's mostly disconnect, disconnect, disconnect. So how can we fix this? If you're like, yeah, we're in the darts and daggers. We do that. When there's conflict, we just go at each other. How can we fix this? And when unkind things are said. This is just like what I'm thinking. When unkind things are said, it is so important to be quick to apologize, but also quick to forgive. You guys, life is too short to hang on. You know, if your spouse is like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry I said that. Would you forgive me? Why not forgive them? Why not? Why hold on to it for another, you know, 24 hours so that you're miserable only to forgive them 24 hours later, you know? Yeah. And I don't know. And also I'm thinking maybe if this is an ongoing thing, maybe if it's something you're like, I literally, I've tried to do, I've tried to not be so mean and anger, angry and all this anger just comes out and you just kind of feel helpless to control it then maybe you need to get into therapy for your anger. I know we've said this before, and I know 
I know there's other people who has experienced this, the, the power of forgiveness. Yeah. But, you know, then it goes back, almost it goes even back to us saying somebody's got to be the hero. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been times that you've apologized for things that I probably should have been the one to apologize first. There's been times where I've apologized where I've thought she should have been the first one to apologize. Yeah. But the power of forgiveness is something you can't explain. Yeah. Just the, the relief and the release onto you and onto both of you. Because there's been times where I thought I'm gonna drag. I'm I'm just I'm just gonna let it go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go outside and work, do whatever around the farm, and eventually she'll apologize, and we'll be okay. And then I come in and you're not ready to apologize, and I might go ahead and apologize and just say I'm sorry. And then it's like and an immediate response from you is I'm so sorry too. It's and you immediate. go from you it's go immediate. from this yeah you go from this heaviness, just dark deep down sick feeling almost to just an automatic, just like it's lifted out of you. It's like, there's just a spiritual release being lifted out of you and just filled back in with God's love. Yeah. And it's like an immediate, I mean, in an instant, the day the atmosphere has changed. Yeah. And it's like, you know, sometimes like going back, sometimes you have to be the hero when you don't feel like you should be, but it's so worth it. It is. Even if, you know, yeah. Even if you feel like the other person should should have apologized first, it's so worth what you get out of it and, and the, the peace that comes with it just for both sides to, to come back into agreement. And, you know, even if you're right, even if you're like, they really need to apologize, how many times does this happen when, like, say we have a conflict and we're just not meeting in the middle? Like, we're just not. We're, like, being stubborn and we're standing our own ground. And, you know, um, you say, I'm just being a little more, <laughs> I'm stating my ground a little more firmly <laughs> and you come up to me and you apologize, you know, even though like maybe I should have apologized first, I immediately like, I'm so sorry. You know, it's like the apology that I should have given to begin with then starts flooding out of me. Well, it's like, you know, the, it's, it's true too. It's, it's hard to be mean to somebody who's loving to you. You know what I'm saying? It is. If somebody comes up, it takes sla- effort. If somebody comes up and calls you name or slaps you in the face, it's a lot easier to it's, slap them back or call right. names. Yeah. But if somebody comes up to you that maybe that you necessarily don't like at that point and they're apologetic and loving and taking the, taking the blame or the brunt of it, it's almost impossible to come back. Yeah. You know, I have a good example of this even. I won't go too far into it, but there was, um, back in our past, during our past, there were some lies that were told and it involved a girl at our church. And I remember I was so angry at her for what she had done. And she was literally, you guys, a hundred percent guilty. She was 100% the guilty party, just really trying to stir up some issues, you know, between me and Brian. And um, so anyways, you know, she knew I was very, very angry, very upset that I had found out all of this behind information. And even though I had every right to be really, you know, flaming angry at her, she came up to me 
and was crying and was just saying, I am so, so sorry. Would you please forgive me? I didn't mean to hurt. I mean, very, very apologetic. And everything in me, although what was done probably would have, you know, (laughs) deserved whatever I wanted to give. But like I said, even as angry as I was in that moment, it was very, very hard to lash back out because of the sincerity and because of the apology and because I could really tell it was coming from the heart. You know, there's a difference in asking somebody to forgive you because you've been caught or somebody is wanting you to forgive them because they, they literally didn't want to hurt you and they never want to do that again. There's a difference in those two things. So that's just kind of like what you're talking about. It's, it's hard when somebody is asking you to forgive them to be angry back. It's kind of like, um, you're like something happens inside of you. But like another thing that I want to talk about that can create disconnection in marriage and relationships is distance. So talking from experience, close relationships require meaningful time together. And I'm just talking from my perspective. Distance does, I know you guys have heard this, this saying, distance makes the heart grow fonder. <laughs> That's a myth. <laughs> yeah. Distance does not make the heart grow fonder. I'll tell you what does. Close proximity builds connection and distance with your spouse creates disconnection Mm -hmm. and long periods of physical distance can lead to emotional distance. So if you're like, okay, so say you guys, I don't know, maybe you have a job and it takes you in a different state for a month or two months. For me, for me personally, that would not work. That would not work because closeness and proximity is what I need from a meaningful relationship. So how can someone fix this if distance is an issue? You know, sometimes it's job related, but sometimes we we actually know of people who the wife um, will actually go on a vacation for like two or three months by herself and he stays behind. And to me, that doesn't equal healthy connection. Mm-hmm. That equals she's doing her own thing. He's doing his own thing. And where where's the healthy connection there? So what would you say to that, Brian, about like distance? If you're married, you know, I know that there's this whole long distance dating thing where people date from, you know, different states. And I just think that's so hard to do. That would just be so incredibly hard. So what do you think about like marriage relationships where the distance 
the time apart is starting to create emotional disconnect, what is something that they could do to help fix things, to help fix that connection? Well, obviously spend more time together. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. You'll never convince me the whole thing of distance makes a heart grow fonder. No. Cause it's mm -hmm. like, we, you know, even in the spiritual realm or the earthly, um, you know, the, or just the worldly people that don't have a spiritual um, relationship, you know, there's the ones that have jobs that travel and they're gone from their family. I mean, there's always, there's, seems like there's always situations or there's um, disconnect there that causes issues, you know, in their marriage eventually. But, yeah. you know, God, that's where this is like, you know, for me, if, if I got a job offer and they said, well, you'll have to travel, you know, you'll have to, you'll be gone Monday through Friday and be I wouldn't home on do the it. Weekends. I wouldn't do it. I mean, just there's no way, you know, and I know my dad was a truck driver and he was gone through the week, you know, there for years. Um, he was gone through like Tuesday through Friday. And I mean, just me personally, I wouldn't do it. I would, I don't care what the money, how much money was involved. Right. I would turn it down. I wouldn't even think about it because it's just for me, the time with you in the evenings and mornings, and the time with our kids, you know, eating dinner together, there's just, there's no amount of money. There's absolutely no amount of money that's worth sacrificing that for. There's right. just not, I would, you know, I don't care if it was, if I made a, you know, a million dollars a year, yeah. I'd rather make a hundred thousand a year or 50,000 a year than to mm -hmm. trade that for my family time. Right. But you know, if there is disconnect, it's just, you got to go back, you know, sometimes it's not easy. Um, you got to go back and, and it takes back to electrical stuff. You know, this past week we get finished wiring house. And I mean, as a builder, I don't sub that out. Me and my worker does that ourselves. I mean, we do it from the, from, from the start to the finish, but there's some that is more difficult than others. And I've talked to you the other day about three ways, four ways. You have to have the wiring exactly the way it has to be to make them work correctly. Right. And Sometimes you get a wire because there's so many different ways you can do it. There's sometimes you get a wire and misplaced in the wrong spot. And then I think it is with a four way, there's three different or three different switches on three different walls that you can turn it on. And one of those might work, but the other two might not. Or like the other day we turned two on and one didn't work. So the thing of it is, it's just like in a relationship, it might be certain areas where you feel like things are okay but then there might be an area that's not okay. And right. that's where you have to go back. And then the electrical world is mm -hmm. called a schematics. It's drawings of how it's supposed to be. And just like in your relationship, you know, a lot of times would be even going back and referring to things in the Bible of how God wants your marriage to be, yeah. or going back and just talking with your spouse of, you know, you know, sometimes you hear people say, well, most things are good. And, you know, mostly everything's good in a relationship, but this, but you don't want even this one thing causing a strain somewhere in your relationship. So it's just a matter of sitting down, going back through it, just like we did the wiring to figure out what was wrong and what was causing issues mm -hmm. and, and being able to correct that. But you know, it, it does, it takes time on each person's part and, I think and being that, open and honest with each other, yeah. like what you're feeling. 
because like you said you know last week there's so many times when things happen the other the other the the other one doesn't know that that's what they were feeling the other one was feeling yeah so just like what you were saying you know say you've got five different areas of your marriage and one of them is suffering but the others are amazing that one thing at the moment may seem very very small you know it's not very big but how how often do you know like you might have your whole body feels great but you got this little bitty just teeny little twinge in your back a week two weeks later that's all you can feel is that one little spot it's like yelling out to you and so even though it might be one area and it may not seem so big those small things become loud things over time so don't neglect you guys don't neglect communication, commitment, and intimacy with your spouse. So like another thing that can bring disconnection into your relationship would be destructive decisions. And so what I mean about that is like how each person in a relationship uses their time and how they make a decision can actually make or break a relationship. So Here's some examples of maybe like destructive decisions that you might make without your partner even knowing would be maybe excessive spending, pornography addiction, um, substance abuse addiction. Maybe you're having affairs. These are a few and there's probably many, many more. So these are kind of like, how do you fix when, um, you just kind of are making these decisions unknowingly to your spouse. Like these are secret hidden habits. They are one-sided discussions, the things that I talked about. Cause I, I guarantee if you're like, Hey, I think I want to get addicted to porn. Your spouse might be like, mm, no, I don't think it's a great idea. <laughs> so that's what I mean by one-sided discussions. It's literally, you are communicating this, what you want to do inside of your head. And it's usually secretive. So how would somebody, either this is happening or maybe they are contemplating something along these lines, what could they do in this moment right now? Say, I don't know, maybe they're contemplating having an affair or maybe they're contemplating um, kind of looking at some pornography or, you know, maybe they're they're kind of in a financial situation where they really need to watch their money, but they really have a problem with spending what they don't have or using credit cards like over the top. So what, Brian, what would you say if somebody is kind of like in this place to kind of help them? Cause these are not easily turnaround things, but like what is something that they could do if they're like, yeah, I don't, I want to include my spouse. I would say, um, if you have like a habit or something, anything that really, that's a secretive habit that you cannot tell your spouse, (laughs) that's probably the first clue that maybe that shouldn't be a thing. If your spouse can't look at your phone, if they can't, um, check, say maybe you even have two separate checking accounts and maybe you don't want them to look at their account. (laughs) I'm just saying 
when something has to be hidden and it has to be kept secret from your spouse, because if it's brought out, it's going to cause some trouble. Yeah. Um, yeah. First off, like you said, if you got to hide it from your spouse, that should be the first and biggest red flag. I mean, if you got to hide it, if you got to hide something from anybody, mm-hmm. unless it's Christmas gifts from your kids, yeah. <laughs> but probably 99% of the time, if there's something that you have to hide from someone, then there's, there's usually a negative side to it and negativity is always going to come out of it. And then just, you know, if you are thinking about whatever it is, whether you're, your pornography or an affair, it's just, you have to look ahead at the consequences. There's going to be consequences. I can assure yeah, you that there will be, I mean, I can assure you that hundred percent we've been through it. I've been through it. Um, you're always going to get caught. There's always going to be negative consequences. And you're going to look back and think hindsight is always, you're going to look back. Yeah. You're going to look back and be like, I wish I would have made a better decision and just saved all that mess. I just went through. Yeah. And you know, it's just, and I, I know there's, there's probably a million people out there who said, well, I wouldn't have done it if my spouse would have done this or spent more time with me. It's just, that's just a bunch of, you yeah, know, it's just an excuse. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. But the thing of it is, if, if, if you're that unhappy with your spouse and we're not, you know, we're not sitting here saying that first off, and it's a thing of connection, getting things out on the table and being open with your spouse, but you don't go out and do things because your spouse, you don't have that connection with them. That's not, you know, right. it's not biblical. It's not, you know, even if you walk, if you walked into a bar and not anybody in there attended church or had a relationship with God, they're going to say the same thing. Well, they shouldn't have done that. That, you know, that's just wrong, you know? So, mm-hmm. you know, even on the worldly side of things, doing those things is wrong. And, um, and it only builds more disconnection. It does. It I mean, does. pornography is a detacher. It's a disconnect. Pornography is just a bad. It's a tool bad, of the enemy. Bad thing. And then I think you said it. Disconnect you from reality. Yeah. Most people who commit rape started with pornography. Yeah. There are a lot of them that commit murder started with pornography. And that's just, that should be a real eye opener there is something that some people think is so little, even in the church realm, you know, yeah. Yeah. There's, it's, it's, it runs rampant even in churches mm-hmm. and that's sad, but it's something that is almost accepted by a lot of men that it's okay. And it's totally not okay. It's not okay. I mean, it is absolutely not okay. I've, I've told you, you know, I've told you, you look through my phone, my phone's laying out there on the counter for you. Like it used to not be, but it does now. And I'll, there's times that I'll tell you looking in your eyes just the other day, I'm like, there is nothing that I look at that I shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, men have to, men have to be men and realize that they need to protect their eyes from things like that. Well, and we were actually just talking about this the other day. Okay. So like you were saying, these things that we're talking about, that list, these things come out. They always come out. Oh, yeah. And, you know, sometimes we watch these murder mystery shows and, you know, when they're talking about, say, somebody was murdered and they're like, oh, they were such a great person. They, you know, they loved everybody. When they walked into a room, everybody's eyes lit up. 
That's the storyline. That's the, the beginning line. of most of them. Then, then all of a sudden, there's this hidden, secretive side that they had been living that now is like broadcast basically on TV. We're we're now getting to see this person's secretive life, even though now they're dead. It's like, wow, wait a second. In one sentence, they were talking about, you know, praising this person like crazy. And then we're finding out about this terrible secret of life. Now, this isn't all cases. I'm just talking about one we were watching the other day. You know, some people are, some of these, you know, murder mystery shows are terrible. What happens to these people? But every once in a while, you'll get one in there where they have this super secret of life that is now, you know, I think there's even a scripture in the Bible that says, you know, what you do in secret will be, um, um, shouted from the rooftops, basically saying nothing is hidden. So as hard as you're trying to maybe hide something, it will come out. And so we just want to kind of like, like Brian was saying, don't be somebody who has to have hindsight. Don't be somebody who has to go, oh, I wish I wouldn't have. How about you get, um, educated right now, right off the bat and say, okay, if, if I'm having a draw to have an affair with somebody, there's a disconnection in my marriage. I need to go, go get reconnected with my wife where, because like we're talking about almost all of these situations start from a disconnection somewhere. And if you get reconnected back to your spouse. It makes a world of difference. So that was a heavier one. I knew it was going to be a little (laughs) heavier. So last one would be disagreements and defensiveness. And so, and these are all like things that can cause disconnection in your marriage, disagreements and defensiveness. Um, And all, like we said in previous episodes, all couples will experience disagreements and conflict. It's natural, but sometimes we become defensive and even feel resentment when that the uh, disagreement becomes heated and anger and resentment can create an icy distance that can actually melt closeness and connection. And so how would you fix this? If you're having a disagreement and it's just like defensive, wall, 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 and you feel, you feel that disconnect, you know, you can have a disagreement and still build connection within the disagreement. Doesn't that sound crazy? But it's true because, you know, in the next episode, I talked to a guest and he talks about keeping your love turned on, even in the midst of disagreement, that if you know without a doubt that, yeah, even though we're having this disagreement, this conflict, that our love for each other does not change through this entire, you know, disagreement. That is how you keep your love on. So to fix this, if this is somewhere where you're feeling disconnect, why not have compassion? 
you know, conflict is natural, but you can do conflict in a healthy, healthy way. Like we mentioned, you know, don't be calling them outside of their name. You know, don't be screaming. Don't be throwing accusations. Try to, like we said, conflict is going to happen. Don't get super defensive and start building a wall around yourself. You know, because what are you doing when you, when those walls goes up, when those walls go up, you're having this disagreement, you're getting defensive, all of a sudden you're blame shifting. (laughs) The disconnection starts to happen and things really start to, you know, crumble at that point. So we really, really hope that this has helped you guys. You know, if you're, you heard, you know, some of the points we were talking about and just an FYI, these have come from experience, right? Right. Yeah. (laughs) We're not like saying, oh, no, we we can like check every single box. Like did that, did that, did that, did that. Um, And some we could check again, say still working on. Exactly. (laughs) But that's, we want to be real with you guys. But we also want to help you. As we're helping ourselves, we want to help you because God wants your marriage to, he wants your marriage to thrive in the best way possible. And the best thing you can do for your spouse is love them in the midst of hard things. Right. I mean, it's all about mm-hmm. love. If love is your baseline, yeah. You know, you can't go wrong. Build connection. If there's areas of disconnect, you know, recognize them, communicate them out, but then be intentional on building up the reconnection. Where did the disconnect happen? Talk that out. How can that be fixed? And then focus on let's build from there. Because we believe in you guys. God believes in you guys. And we just thank you guys so much for tuning in with us each week. Please check out our website, makingbeautywiththeashes.com. And until next time, we bless bless you. you.